Welcome to the Xbox Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Captain Logan, or just Logan, depends on how you want to call me, doesn't matter. We're going to be talking about Xbox news this episode. There is a ton of information that came out, and unfortunately, I missed out on last week's episode. Unfortunately, like Jeff Goldblum said once in a Jurassic Park movie, life finds a way. And uh, the little extra part of that was is that sometimes life finds a way and you have to take care of family. So that's what I ended up doing last week. Uh, but we've got a bunch to talk about. I'm going to be talking about Gamescom 2022. That is happening next week in Cologne, Germany. Uh, Xbox is going to be there. And they say that they've got six hours worth of a floor show to be able to talk about stuff that's going to be going on there. There's a lot of stuff to cover in that. So we'll try to knock out some of that. There's going to be some news that I want to tell you about that refers to uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit's rights being snapped up by a company that I've talked about in the past called Embracer Group. You may remember them from other purchases that they've had uh, with uh, the Tomb Raider series, Deus Ex, and picking up those studios. Uh, we also want to talk about Redfall. I, I got to watch a video on Redfall uh, earlier today, and I'm very interested in that. I'm very interested in some announcements that came as a result of Game Pass, uh, some games that came to Game Pass, as well as a game that is coming to Game Pass next week, or uh, I believe it's next week, that you can't play on an Xbox console. Very surprised about that. It is a console game. Also, there's some news about Diablo 4, so of course I'm going to be wanting to talk about that. And I read an interesting article from the Boston Globe about keeping video game voice chats from turning dark and how AI can help with that. So lots to get into it. So without further ado, let's get going. All right, first, let's get into the big news, which is going to be going on next week. And Xbox is going to Gamescom. If you don't know what Gamescom is, it is an annual festival, uh, an annual convention. It's probably one of the biggest game shows out there. And it goes on over at Cologne, Germany every August. At the end of August, they get together. They have a huge hall. They have tons and tons of uh, different companies coming together who can uh, share off what they're planning on uh, a game getting out for the rest of the year as well as next year all of the big studios um, as well as as some of the, the console players usually go there um, in the last few years Sony has really stepped back they have really kind of taken a page out of Nintendo's book and started to do their own kind of presentations their their uh, PlayStation showcases their state of plays and things like that and Xbox is one of the few remaining outliers that goes to the different conventions to showcase stuff that's coming out very much kind of staying true to the nature of what E3 was as well as Gamescom. Uh, and this is no different. So next week, we're going to be getting Gamescom. Uh, I believe it starts on the Thursday, which is August. What is that? The 25th. Uh, Jeff Keighley has his opening night, which is going to be on the 23rd on Tuesday. But Xbox is going to have a booth um, over there in Hall 8, and they've got 36 stations with a, a lineup of different games that are going to be coming to uh, Xbox in the next 12 months, which I think is great. And many of them, which is actually uh, going to be made available for uh, Game Pass day one. So um, they're going to be showing off the game Pentiment from Obsidian Entertainment. That is the one that is kind of the 2D one that takes place in olden English art style. Looks very cool. Uh, they're going to have Age of Empires 4. They're going to have Microsoft Simulator as well as Sea of Thieves and Grounded. Um, sea of Thieves is probably going to be showcasing off their Season 7 and Captains of Adventure content as well as the latest adventure, um, which if you want to hear about that, obviously Keel Hauled Podcast is going to be the best way to listen to that. And then... Um, 
where was I going with that? Oh, uh, there's uh, the Mike Chapman and uh, Joni are going to be available for interviews um, online over the over the, the uh, over the internet uh, to be able to talk to fans who made it to the Xbox Fan Fest and were able to get in and get picked for those interviews. Um, I missed out on the time window for that. I thought I had a couple more days. Turns out it was it was not the case, so I missed out on my opportunity to do that. But at the same time, I'm also kind of not too worried about it because I, I have the ability to, to reach out to the devs to see if they're interested in doing an interview. Um, I've already gotten to meet uh, Joe Neat, so I feel like that's, you know, once every four years, you get the mythical creature uh, to talk to you every once in a while and stuff. So I, I'll, I'm sure at some point I'll probably see him in the future. So I'm not too worried about that. And then Grounded, obviously getting its game release and uh, being being its full-fleshed game uh, out by Obsidian. Really great that they're doing that while they're working on uh, Outer Worlds 2 as well as, um, or not Outer World, yeah, Outer Worlds 2. I was thinking Outer Wilds, but it's definitely Outer Worlds 2 as well as Avowed. Um, I don't know if they got any other projects going on. I think it's just those ones because they had Grounded, they had Outer Worlds, and then they've got the DLCs that came out for that. They've got Avowed, they, and then Pentiment was the other one. Uh, so those are kind of the, the big things from Xbox Game Studios that you can anticipate seeing news about, uh, or at least having its presence at Gamescom. Um, they're also going to be celebrating third-party partners as well, too, with playable titles, including uh, Playtale Requiem, which is a Sobo studio, which is um, not actually uh, part of Xbox Game Studios, even though it is a, a, a game that many people associate with the Xbox. Uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley from Gameloft, which if you don't know gameloft gameloft has been making mobile games for decades at this point um or almost decades i guess because uh mobile store really didn't come out until like 2007 2000 let's see iphone was four and i think the app store was like a year or two later uh and then gameloft i want to say came out somewhere around 2007 2008 it's, it's shady shady at best for for memory here but uh i I've, I've been a fan of gameloft studios for a long time i i played a lot of their mobile games back before uh the rush to the bottom with you know freemium games um and buying their stuff outright and uh dream dreamlight valley is going to be essentially what i would consider disney's version of uh animal crossing which looks great it's like stardew valley meets animal crossing but with anime or not anime with a disney uh ip and having something like that is i mean it's it's relaxing it's very cool it just seems like a fun kind of jaunt into a lot of the uh films that really kind of inspired me to want to be an artist um growing up so that's going to be shown off there i'm jealous that people are going to be able to jump into it uh that's one that i'm actually kind of curious how that's going to go kind of show up because there are a lot of games that are coming out um many many of which people are really kind of looking forward to and honestly disney dreamlight seems like one of those ones that is kind of falling by the the wayside doesn't seem like too many people are uh really kind of paying attention to it and i'm kind of bummed about that because it's something that i i personally think is going to be a very good game um so we'll have to see what people take away i've already seen like on ign they've had a, a couple of videos about it and how that's going to to turn out um and i don't think they've actually have they actually put out a release date for that yes they did okay so that's coming september 6th 
uh, and that's going to be game game pass. So day one game pass for Disney Dreamlight. Put that on your radar radar if you're if you're interested in any kind of Disney games uh, or IPs or films and stuff like that. I really think you'll like it. Uh, Gunfire Reborn is going to be made uh, available. Uh, Inclu Inclunati. It's like Illuminati but ink. Ink Inculin. I I can never. I can't put the two. It's a portmanteau of ink and uh, Illuminati. And I can't put those two words together for some reason. So um, that's another one, which is kind of like a weird tactics game, but done so in kind of that old uh, English style artwork where it's a very, very characterized people, um, stained glass windows, kind of flat art and stuff. But uh, that's going to be um, going to be there as well. Uh, last case of Benjamin Fox or Benedict Fox uh, from Plot Twist Games. Take a look at that game. I think that's going to be a really, really good showcase indie. Uh, Lines of P, Lightyear Frontier is the one where you're kind of like, you know, doing farm work on a weird planet. Uh, planet of Lana, and then uh, you suck at parking, which just sounds, it's a really funny name for an actual game. Those are some of the third-party games that they're going to be showing off over at Gamescom. I would fully anticipate that uh, the the representatives of IGN, as well as a bunch of other uh, people, are going to be going to um germany to be able to experience this and i'm and hoping that they'll have some really good coverage on this if they don't uh have if, if they don't already uh have things planned for that so looking forward to that um let's see da, 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 da. they're they're kind of talking about some of the the stuff that you can do while you're already there one of the things that i would love to do is walk the plank with sea of thieves uh, whatever kind of photo ops they have there for that I'm, I'm hoping that I get an opportunity, but uh, with Rare being in England and Germany being pretty close, they can probably ship out the actual statues for that. So I'm very curious. Uh, I'm, I'm really kind of hoping, honestly, that we'll be able to um, get more news about stuff that hasn't been uh, talked about. I'm hoping that there's some some surprises there. So um, the Xbox booth is going to be at Gamescom from Thursday, April 25th, uh, 2 p.m. CST to 8 p.m. CST, which is 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and then 8 a.m. Eastern Time to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, East Coast folks are going to have an easier time of watching this. I'll probably have to watch the VOD uh, later on. I don't know when, but they're going to be having a six-hour stream covering a lot of the uh, different games that are going to be there, as well as having developer interviews, uh, gameplay uh, spotlights, as well as talking about um, some of the games that are going to be there, as well as some third-party stuff. Some of the things that they wanted to to kind of give you an idea of what they're going to talk about or some of the ones that we talked about. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's good. I'm hoping that there's some, some stuff. I would love to hear more about uh, Everwild, because I think that's something that has been very hush-hush uh, recently. Phil Spencer was at uh, Rare Studios, and it's the first time in four years. And generally, if he's going somewhere, uh, I would imagine that it's it's to check out what is the state of, of their next game and see how things are going, because they can get an update on Sea of Thieves at any point with it being a live service game. But it's, it's a lot harder to try and show someone or, or tell someone how something's going to be uh, with a game that you've never played before and, and being able to troubleshoot it and keep it safe so it doesn't leak out or anything like that. Um, there's plenty of ways to play stuff online, but stuff still leaks, uh, as we found out with Diablo 4, um, that even though it's under NDA, there's still there's still people that will will lose that or catch it or, or show it off or just want some some things like that. So 
I was not surprised to see that Phil Spencer was willing to go to Rare Studios just to check out what they're doing over there. And I and I highly anticipate that they're trying to find out when a good time to announce Everwild would be uh, to give a, a better light on, on what's going on with that actual game. Tomorrow is in your hands which is the the listing the the name of this article we're going over to the xbox wire to talk about death stranding becoming available on august 23rd with game pass for pc if you don't know what death stranding is you may not have a pc or ps4 at this point but uh, death stranding is the first game made by hideo kojima over at kojima productions uh, that came as a result of his departure from konami after Konami uh, did pretty much whatever they could to destroy their relationship with uh, Kojima. Um, he's a very talented game developer. Uh, he's been he's been making games, Metal Gear Solid games forever. Um, and this is the first game that he's kind of come out with. And it is speaks very much to the type of personality that he is. It is a very cinematic movie. And there's a lot of cinemas, a uh, lot of cutscenes in it. Uh, much like um, the latest Metal Gear 5, I believe it was. Uh, and this is something that has been exclusive to PS4 and PS5, PS5 ever since launch. In fact, they released a uh, PS4 uh, director's cut that was brought over to the PS5 um, with additional content. Uh, and they labeled it director's cut because they were trying to go with that kind of marketing to uh, have the PS5 version of their games from the PS4 generation. And it's kind of funny just kind of how uh, they're like, this is the the version of the game that the director wanted to uh, make sure was, was available to you. And Kojima's like, uh, I put out the game that I wanted to put out. That was the game that was available. So I don't know why you're calling it a director's cut. And they're like, ha ha, oh, it's, it's funny how Kojima jokes about those kind of things, isn't it, folks? And um, yeah, it's it's been something that we have expected to to make it elsewhere outside of the PS4 and PS5. It did come to game or PC a while back on uh on on Steam and now it's going to be put on uh, the Windows uh, Store as a PC Game Pass uh, option. So I'm if you haven't had an opportunity to play this, it's a very interesting game. It's a very slow paced game compared to most games. So I would encourage you, if you want to jump into this, um, go at it with the idea that you're going to be moving at a sl at a snail's pace. It's going to be very heavy with story, a lot of cutscenes kind of explaining a world that really does not make sense, but it takes place in a post-apocalyptic uh, America where you are trying to um, have characters try and connect with the rest of humanity that's out and about uh, in this world that has creatures that are kind of like the souls of uh, dead people who are trying to latch on to anything that lives uh, in the world still. Um, so you're kind of fighting these weird ghosts as you're delivering packages. And it's it's kind of weird because of, of the idea that you're trying to deliver packages to people. You're trying to recreate uh, the system of, of um, uh, trade between different cities in, in the United States. And it's very kind of uh, interesting that you you spend most of your time kind of going from place to place, and there's a lot that comes down to the amount of balancing that you can do with the uh, all of the equipment that you have to carry, plus all of the packages and stuff like that. So it's a really a beautiful game. I will say that it is a, a game that is is fantastic when it comes to the art style and uh, and what they're trying to accomplish with telling a story. So if you have Game Pass on. Uh, 
PC, definitely keep an eye out on. Again, that's going to be on August 23rd. Next, I wanted to dive into the uh, Redfall video that came out. So this came out on August uh, 18th. This is uh, something you can find over on YouTube on the Xbox channel. And the title of it is Bringing Redfall to Life with Arcane Austin, which is the studio that's uh, uh, working on this. And I got to say, for a 20 minute dive into uh, them crafting the world, um, giving you an idea of who the enemies are, kind of building up some of the, the knowledge behind like where they came from, how they came into existence, how powerful they are, and then talking about the characters that that you can play as well as the weapons that you're going to be using uh, and then some of the uh, different different trees or, or talents that you can be building into and as well as the other mobs that you'll be kind of running into and how you can approach this game I was really impressed uh, with just kind of the overall uh, design and implementation that they have for this. So um, I was I was really happy to see that this is going to continue to be an open world game that you can approach in multiple ways. Uh, but it's designed both as a single player game as well as a multiplayer game. And uh, anyone that's been playing uh, Back for Blood or any of the kind of asymmetric games, you'll kind of enjoy having the the opportunity to play with AI characters or with actual friends. I thought it was really interesting um, how they talked about how you can kind of play around with the day-night cycle and as well as the, the weather system. Being that this is a game that uh, pertains to a small city, uh, which they said is still one of the biggest um, worlds that they've built as a studio, uh, that still has like vampires so you've got day night cycles that you have to worry about but the sun has been blocked out so it'll be brighter but it won't be like rays kind of it'll be like a solar eclipse essentially um uh, one that they've made themselves and i'm really curious to kind of see how that plays into uh the the story as you kind of get further and further up the food chain of the different vampires to like the gods that you have to deal with and stuff like that uh and and they also touched on the fact that you are going to be playing this game and, and the way that you approach different missions isn't locked in it's not just a a one-size-fits-all scenario so you're really going to be able to play around with the different characters and how you can use their talents to be able to take take on uh different missions differently as well as um, just having multiple branching paths on how to tackle a situation uh, if you've been playing Halo Infinite at all, uh, or if you've if you've been diving any kind of like Far Cry Six, or um, I'm blanking on some of the other ones, but some of the, uh, got like Ghost of Tsushima, if you're if you're playing uh, on PC or, or uh, things like that, where you you have a camp, you have a, a, a mission, and to get there, you have to kind of analyze what's going on. I would also point to. Um, death loop is a good way of uh, kind of dealing with this if you're if we're keeping within the bethesda ecosystem uh, death loop also has a, a lot of different ways to approach different situations and i'm glad to see that redfall is kind of taking that approach as an open world game that you can play around with other people very curious to kind of see how you can play around with different situations and get people set up for uh for different types of of gameplay um especially when you have things like snipers and and uh, uh turrets and things like that um it was really interesting to kind of dive into the the genetic startup that they talked about that moved to uh, Redfall and um, how they're kind of dealing with like them trying to uh, elongate life and how they eventually figured out how to become vampires as a result of that. I thought it was really cool. And I like that they're doing this whole idea of like they can they can make other vampires as well, too. It's not just these are the vampires that are here. And once you kill them, they're done. It's like, no, they have 
they have cultists which look like militia and uh they can you know be brought up to become vampires as well too and some of the vampires would become gods and you have to deal with that and they had like one vampire that had like six arms it looked crazy so i think it's really interesting that they're they're kind of using uh this but the the heroes that you're going to be playing as as well they have skills and you're going to be leveling up those skills as you move throughout this world and some of those skills while on surface level may actually look like uh, they're going to be just for your character and they used uh, the example of the sniper who has a, an, the ability to cloak uh, they found out or they kind of explained that as you kind of further along in that trait in in that talent the more you level it up the more you can actually get it to the point where it will not only just cloak yourself but also your teammates and i like the idea that they are having uh skills that extend beyond the usage of your own character and will actually impact other people as well um so you'll be able to to give some of those traits or some of those talents and perks to other teammates as you're kind of getting further and further into the actual game um the weapons looked really cool I love the idea of some of the kit bashed weapons that they talked about where you're going to be finding like a, a, one of them's a stake launcher and they had different ways of uh, coming up with stakes. So like the neck of a guitar that's broken off and shaved down. Uh, they also talked about like pull cues uh, as another one and, and all the different stuff that they've kind of come up with as they've as they've kind of been like trying to find what they can to piece together different weapons to be able to tackle on the vampires because right now they have like plenty of weapons as far as like guns like guns aren't aren't in question as far as like you know where they're going to find uh, things to kill people it's it's the vampires that they're really kind of having to deal with and stuff so i am excited to see uh what happens with redfall unfortunately of course it got delayed uh to next year and i don't think that they actually gave a date for that i think they had planned it for august this year which i thought was very ambitious um but they said that it would be out into 2023 uh, i think early 2023 is what they projected um so that plus uh starfield both got pushed out so we're kind of waiting to find out like when those are going to be made available so uh real bummer on that to be honest because i think redfall is the one that still looks the most polished between uh, Starfield and Redfall and I think a lot of people will be interested to kind of see how this plays out I think it'll be one of those things where it's good for for groups of friends which is is very common on Xbox a lot of multiplayer games on Xbox and of course this is going to be made available on Game Pass so it's not like you're going to need a big ticket uh to to be able to buy your way into this ride uh you you just need to have game pass and you don't have to worry about like the 60 or 70 bucks that it would cost uh to get everyone on board to jumping into this game uh very much kind of how um like battlefield had to had to overcome the 70 dollars price tag to get people to play their multiplayer only game um, that was a real shame for that kind of thing uh next i wanted to jump into call of duty um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is coming out this year. Um, right now, it's it's locked in at October 28th for the release date, so a couple days before Halloween. And a lot of people are very excited about this. Uh, a lot of people are, are looking forward to Modern Warfare 2. This is supposed to be a, a new version of Modern Warfare 2, not a remake. They already did a remake of Modern Warfare 2, and that is available uh, that you can actually play. Um, so if you're if you're looking for that story, that's available. But this is going to be a new uh, version of Modern Warfare 2. I think uh, it still still deals with Ghost, um, as far as I know. 
because of all the artwork that we've seen and stuff. So, but I'm very interested to see how this looks. This looks like it is still going to be a, a last gen and current gen Call of Duty. Um, I'm very curious to see like what, what like a next gen or a current gen only Call of Duty looks like. That's what I'm, I'm hoping to find out soon uh, in the coming years as, as we get closer and closer to really kind of making these these consoles available for everyone but they're running a promotion and this was announced over on uh the call of duty website they have uh, a roadmap of how the launch is going to work out so i figured I, I would give this for any of you who are fans of uh the the campaign or if you're just a fan of the the multiplayer or Warzone. um i figured it'd, it'd be good to dive into this because call of duty regardless of how you feel about it is definitely one of the biggest games out in in the games industry so uh the digital pre-order is available for call of duty modern warfare 2 and you can play the full campaign up to a week before launch starting on october 20th so call of duty uh next is going to be on september 15th um the beta weekend the first beta weekend is going to be uh from september 16th through september 20th for playstation only then crossplay is going to be available on the second beta weekend which starts two days after the first one so uh the first one kicks off on september 16th and goes for four days on uh, september 20th and then two days later on september 22nd uh the the second beta weekend will kick off uh and that will kick off from the 22nd to the 26th so then you've got about a month uh which if you buy the digital exclusive pre-order for uh, call of duty you're going to get early access to the campaign on october 20th and then the actual game itself launches worldwide on October 28th. Uh, if you're looking to purchase this, um, it's it's going to be expensive. It's going to be expect that $70, especially as uh, as as Xbox fans, we are still kind of living in that um, 70 or $60 time frame. Uh, so they've got the cross gen bundle, which is going to allow you to be able to use it on Xbox one and Xbox, uh, series X systems and series S systems. That's going to be 70 bucks. Um, which is kind of makes me glad that, you know, Activision blizzard deal is going through because eventually I think Microsoft will move to a system where the this will not be the case it will just be a 60 dollars price point hopefully uh or it will be made available day one on game pass but if you want the cross-gen bundle the one that has the uh optimization for xbox series x and s uh, through smart delivery that's going to be um 70 and then if you want the better version of that the the digital deluxe version i believe that is uh let me see here it said pre-order why did it take me to this? See, this is what I hate about some of this stuff sometimes. It just doesn't make any sense. All right. Uh, so, yes, I want the Vault Edition. How much is the Vault Edition? 100 bucks. Still cheaper than the Digital Deluxe Collector's Edition of Destiny's Witch Queen. So it's it's expensive i'm not gonna lie it's definitely expensive um with the vault edition though you're not only getting the cross-gen version but you're also getting the first season battle pass as well as a 50 tier skips um and you're also going to be able to get the uh, red team one for one operator pack if you want the custom skins for that uh, you'll instantly be able to play through the ghost legacy pack which has 10 weapon blueprints and 12 operator skins 
Uh, and then the final judgment bundle, which is just a, a, a operator a cosmetics for that. Um, so that's going to be made available. I am I'm actually really interested in the Modern Warfare 2 uh, that's coming out. I uh, played Modern Warfare 1 when they remade that back in, gosh, what was that, 2018? I want to say it was 2018 and uh, really enjoyed the campaign there. I haven't played Modern Warfare 2, the original version or the remake, so I don't know the story there, but I'm hoping that it'll be as good as the Modern Warfare 1 story was for me. Um, so I will i'm tentative on seeing how this is going to go because i'm kind of hoping that with the deal going through in june uh for activism blizzard as long as everything goes fine which according to uh xbox they shot back at sony and were like hey you're saying that call of duty being exclusive would be a detriment to the uh to the to our console because uh we can't compete with call of duty when your entire premise is making games uh exclusive to the point where you're even paying for blocking rights to game pass for for third-party pub publishers like I'm, I'm hoping that call of duty comes to game pass i hope all of the call of duties come to game pass i hope everything on the uh blizzard battlenet store uh the the launcher there i hope everything that is not a subscription-based game comes to game pass because that's what happened with bethesda all of their games just came to Game Pass, and it was fantastic. It was a huge influx of value to that service. Tons of people signed up to jump on to play games that they hadn't. Many people jumped on to play games that they they never picked up because it, there was an introductory price that you had to pay. Like if you wanted to play uh, Dishonored or Dishonored 2, like you had to buy them. Now they're on Game Pass. Plenty of people jumped into them. Lots of people were like, oh my God, this is really good. They all got smart delivery upgrades for like 60 frames per second and auto HDR. Perfect opportunity to revitalize a lot of the past content that you've done. So um, very interested to kind of see if you are interested in the uh, Modern Warfare 2 campaign, the original one uh, where they had the remastered edition, um, you can pick that up on Xbox right now. That's available for 20 bucks. So if you wanted to try it out, what the original one was like in the remastered version, uh, you can definitely do so there. Um, that one I think has, let's see, is there any blah, 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 blah. So yeah, okay. So the, the remastered offers 4K Ultra HD, uh, HDR. 10 and uh, cloud saves looks like that's a that's pretty much it as far as what the uh, upgrades are going to be for that i'm trying to see if there's anything bah, 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 bah. reading through the little comments here it says true high definition uh groundbreaking title worthwhile gripping yeah no see it's fully remastered improved textures animations physically based rendered physically based rendering high dynamic range lighting and much much more uh, so yeah, if you want to try out the original, um, if the original campaign, you can do so, uh, you can, you can pick it up for 20 bucks now and then come October. If you want to try the new version of modern warfare two, which is the new campaign, um, then you can always do that for the, the, the 70 bucks or the hundred bucks, depending on how much you want to spend on that. I think, I feel like 30 bucks for a battle pass and a bunch of 
a bunch of skins. Maybe I just don't understand the, the, the market value that they have for the skins. I don't really know how much that costs. So it's hard for me to really point to that and be like, oh yeah, that's a good deal right there with destiny. I can definitely do that. I can definitely point to destiny and be like, oh, I see where the, where the money is going. I see exactly, you know, with the content you're getting and I know the value of that content, um, call of duty, it's a little bit harder. So I don't know if it's a good deal or not. I would, I would, probably need to go talk to some friends about it and see how they feel about it to see if it's worth picking up or not because i'm i'm willing to jump into it and we're also getting uh i believe warzone 2 uh later on i think in the year I, I, modern warfare 2 is coming out in october i think we're getting warzone 2 uh shortly after um if not at the same time so that if you want to try out what the new version of warzone is going to be i believe that's going to be kind of made up from uh the, the ground up since Modern Warfare 1 back in 2018 is when they launched uh, Warzone, which was after, I can't remember what the Black Ops version of um, their their Battle Royale was called, but Black Ops made one and it did all right. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. And then Warzone came out and Warzone was like the de facto Battle Royale for adults uh, who didn't want to play Fortnite and learn how to build. Most of the kids still played both. It didn't matter. And then the people that didn't mind building were mostly working on uh, the the Fortnite build version as well, too. Which, by the way, if you guys don't know, Fortnite got Dragon Ball Z. And uh, I just got my, what was it, my Indiana Jones characters, uh, my skins there. I'm not buying the DBZ stuff, but... Um, the Dragon Ball Z little, uh, little, little thing that they did. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like you, go, it's like a movie theater. You go in, you sit down, uh, you can, you know, use an emote to lay on the ground and you can watch episodes of Dragon Ball Z super, I think is what it is. Um, never watched any of it. I love Dragon Ball, but this, this was really cool. It was such a good experience. And they have a little section where you can walk in and you hit a button and it full screens the cartoon for you. So if you're if you're watching it on the big screen in front of you in the little world that they've built for this, great. If you don't want the distraction of people hopping around or anything like that, there's like a little section, it's a little kind of VIP section that you go into and you hit a button and it takes you into the full screen and you can watch the full episode uh, undistracted and in all in Fortnite, and it's just a, a mode that they had built for this uh event where dragon ball z is invading into Fortnite. um people are using uh kamehameha's to kill people for battle royale wins it's hilarious uh you get to fly around on a little nimbus cloud and i i gotta say ever since ever since no build mode came out um, I have been diving into Fortnite and it is the first time that I have felt competent when playing a battle royale. Um, I can play Apex really good. I, I, uh, in, in the sense that I can run around and I can pick up a bunch of loot. And then immediately after I get into an engagement, I'm able to give my loot to someone else so that they can go and win the game. That's, that's how good I am at, at Apex Legends. I'm really good at finding the good loot. And then I give that to someone else so that they can win the game. And then I just spectate because I'm dead. Um, same thing with Warzone. I can never see where people are in Warzone and they can always see me and they can always kill me without me ever knowing where the shot came from. In fact, the kill cam is the only indication that I that there was actually a human nearby to to, to let me know what was going on. So uh, I, I'm bad when it comes to battle royales. But for whatever reason, uh, when I play Fortnite, I see the characters, I can shoot the characters, I get 
an, an average of three to four kills per game. And I usually make the top 10 if that's what I'm trying for. Otherwise, I just run around and, and go and try and do the quests. Because that's that to me is actually where I've been having the most fun. I like running around and I like looting stuff and I like shooting a couple people from time to time. But I like going around to do some of the little quests that they have. Because whoever's designing the little like distractions in the game in the middle of this this battle royale is is fantastic because it puts people off their game because it's not just like checking your corners looking you know far away for snipes and stuff it's like oh man i gotta i gotta go buy something from this vending machine i gotta go find the vending machine or it's like oh darth vader's in a corner i gotta go kill darth vader so i can get his uh sword so i can go and win the game but he's way off on the edge so if i do that i put myself at risk because i have to run to the to the center of the ring at some point or uh i'm in the middle of this uh, uh like temple rune and I have to find the symbols to be able to unlock the special door that opens up so that I can go in there and avoid the traps to grab the idol to get the Indiana Jones skin uh, mission done and stuff. And it's like everyone is kind of busy doing their own thing when they're playing Fortnite. So it's so easy to either catch people off guard or hear them coming and the way they've designed the UI, it's it's so much better. You can see the footsteps when someone's coming near you. You can have those that accessibility turned on to get that visualization when someone's near you, and you can hear them as well. So it's second confirmation as well too. So I've just I've I've really been enjoying the fact that uh, Fortnite is a very casual battle royale that built in a lot of fun little quests that you can do to uh, get points, to get experience, to get. Uh, stuff out of the the season pass and i gotta say like the season pass is is pretty darn good for for being uh as cheap as as, as it is because i think it's like seven or eight bucks for the season pass compared to pretty much every other season pass i ever buy for any game like see these is 10 bucks for uh destiny it's like 15 for warzone it's uh like 15 or 20 like it's it's like the battle passes are getting expensive and then Fortnite's over here, like you got eight bucks, you got like, you know, you got like a really nice Starbucks drink, like, cool, you're good. You're, you're good for three months. You'll get a whole bunch of really cool stuff. All you got to do is go through the missions and play it. Like, that's it. Like it's, it's super, super easy. So I've been having a really good time with uh Fortnite and just diving into it little by little nothing too major um but it's it's definitely like i i like dipping into that when uh i'm not going to be able to play with other people to do like boaty mcboat boat stuff in sea of thieves or i'm not at my computer where i can play heroes of the storm and for whatever reason destiny just isn't hitting i think i'm waiting for that next season which speaking of let's get into uh that next topic which is season uh the third season for destiny 2 um after the witch queen because the witch queen had its first season we're in the second season now uh the third season is coming next week i'm extremely excited because we're going to get a a complete rework to one of the subclasses arc um so i am really just kind of excited to see like what they do with this as a warlock uh i've got two supers and the supers are basically like the kamehameha or the uh emperor palpatine lightning hands those are like the two warlock ultimates and both of those are extremely fun and i'm very curious what they do to arc to try and um 
really kind of refresh it. Uh, so that's uh, season 18, which is coming. Um, if, if you're really curious, there's a bunch of uh, news that came out through the latest um, TWAB, which is their This Week in Bungie, uh, or This Week at Bungie, I think is what it is. But as always, if you really want to know what's going on, you can go listen to Paul Tassi, uh, who, who does nothing but live service games. Um, and they, they basically talked a lot about some of the different changes that are going to be coming to the class. And in this case, they're going to be adding a new type of buff called Amplified, where all Guardians can get this buff when defeating multiple enemies with arc damage. This boosts your speed, uh, your weapon handling, and will feed into other triggers throughout Aspects and Fragments, which are the um, different kind of uh, little tweaks that you can do to the main actual subclass. So arc is its subclass all of your damage in that subclass is going to be arc damage and then you have little things like little fragments and aspects that will give you um kind of like a, a little one-off tricks that get added to your arc subclass so that it either changes the way that your grenades work or uh, you get more super energy by doing this thing and it kind of works a little bit here and there but um I also really like some of the changes they made to uh, like getting damage resistance when you're sprinting in PVE, which is really kind of cool. And they just added a, a bunch of really interesting stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm very curious to see uh, how this season will land compared to uh, this season, which was solar which I think the solar rework was really good for uh, Destiny 2. I think the, the solar work wasn't quite as good as Void was when Void came out during the Witch Queen. Um, I, if I had to, if I had to kind of list the reworks right now, I would say Void is at top and then probably Stasis after that and then Solar. Like Stasis and Solar are kind of on par, but Stasis was a brand new thing to everyone. Um, I think I kind of like solar more than stasis and then stasis would probably be third, I guess in this case. So yeah, I'm, I'm committing solar is better than stasis for warlocks at least. And then I'm very curious to see how arc works right now because arc has been really the, the most boring to me, uh, out of the older styles that I'm compared to the new ones. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this rework. It's something that I've been looking forward to. So we'll have to see how that goes. That is kicking off next week on next Tuesday, uh, on the, wait, is that right? Is that, oh yeah, God, it really is the 23rd next week. Oh my God. This whole month has just absolutely disappeared for me. So, um, but yeah, that's coming out. Uh, we got some, actually, hold on. I'm going to take a quick break, get something to drink. We got a, uh, press release regarding Diablo four. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. There were some leaks that came out about Diablo four. Um, there's now a press release. So it's worth talking about this over, over the leaks. Cause leaks are just people breaking NDA. Um, so, but, uh, to, to talk about Diablo four, they put out a quarterly update, um, which was really nice. I'm really glad that they, uh, put something out cause I've, I've been wanting to hear more about this and wanting to get, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a beta at some point, cause I would love to, to play through a beta. Uh, but they, they went through and this was a pretty lengthy update. They talked about seasons, new content, refreshing the meta, improving the game, live events, season journey, season pass the shop and closing thoughts. Well, the closing thoughts, not really a big deal, but I figured I'd dive into this a little bit. So, um, 
they're going to be doing seasons for Diablo 4 the way they have been doing seasons for Diablo 3, which if you don't know, Diablo 3 has seasons. There's uh, each season you can uh, create a seasonal character, you can play through the game, unlock all of the achievements needed for that season to get the seasonal gear uh, for Transmog. Um, they have different uh, events that happen throughout there, like there's a Diablo 2 event, um, there's a Whimsy event, I think, if I remember correctly in a while, but um, you basically want to go through there if you want to get the content, uh, the, the different transmogs and stuff for your class. Um, they're going to be uh, doing something like that, which I'm glad for. I'm happy that they're they're continuing on that because I think it's a good system. I think a lot of people really love that grind uh, when it kicks off on the beginning there. Um, they talked about new content. Uh, they and, and let me just kind of read this and stuff. So each season will be released with new fresh gameplay and a new quest line that introduces new challenges mysteries and possibly intro uh, into the the level up experience uh, there is something players should begin to experience before the end of their first hour of play one of the benefits of seasonal direction is that it enables fun new ways to play throughout your character's progression each season's new quest line will reveal more of the world of sanctuary and your character's place in it here we get an opportunity to introduce new characters and revisit old ones while exploring the lore and content of the season then they talk about refreshing the meta which if you're not sure what they're talking about the meta is playing through paragon uh, paragon is is a system that allows you to tweak your character in subtle ways by adding points to your your main stats as far as like strength intellect and uh, intelligence uh willpower dexterity um Obviously, I don't have a whole lot of points in intelligence if you guys have been listening to us for a while, but you can essentially kind of play around with some of the different things. And they're working on a new uh, Paragon system, which looks really interesting. So uh, let's talk uh, a little, let's kind of cover what they put in here. So Diablo 4 is a vast game. We want to ensure that we're keeping existing content and features in a place where they can remain fun and challenging to participate in. To that end, we will be always we will always be evaluating the state of the game to regularly revitalize older stomping grounds. One clear example here is looking at the relevant balance between classes, builds, and powers. Diablo is a game that is uh, about creating exciting, overpowered builds, and while we don't want to balance the fun out of the experience, we don't want to create situations in which imprecise tuning squash creativity. We will always be constantly adding new legendary and unique items, paragon boards, glyphs, and more that will continually refresh the meta and create new build opportunities. They want to build diversity in, in their game. They want to make sure that people are finding things that are interesting and unique and latching onto those and having those being viable for end game content. Uh, improving the game was the next uh, bullet point. With each season, we'll be looking into new, uh, looking into ways to simply improve the player experience. As a live product, we intend to hold Diablo 4 to an exceedingly high standard. We are here to build a live game that can be, uh, that they can be proud of. And the best way to do that is by engaging our players directly. Based on feedback that we receive, the team will identify quality of life features and polish that uh, polished work that can be done to improve the overall game experience and invite the community to vote upon their priorities. While we cannot always flip a switch to tackle something immediately, you can rest assured that we will be active in improving the quality of the game experience for years to come. 
Really nice to get that commitment there, that they are committed to listening to player feedback, something that WoW has struggled with for uh, a, a decade, I would guess, at this point. Uh, live events. I'm interested in these because it's it's uh, kind of like having world raid bosses, if you're familiar with those terms. If you're not, I, I have no way to really kind of explain them. There are events that happen in the world. You can opt into them or not. Uh, you can seek them out if you want, and sometimes they reward really interesting things. So uh, in here they say, Sanctuary is a living world filled with people, creatures, and factions striving to meet their own ends. All uh, attentive players should be on the lookout for new live events that will crop up each season. An example of a live event might be the warning of an impeding invasion of the drowned, which are kind of like zombies, which may last a weekend. Or the arrival of a strange peddler amidst the crags of dry steeps, which um, that's kind of a Diablo 2 reference, I guess, kind of. Uh, these events provide gateways to new adventures and unique rewards, which is always kind of the fun thing about Diablo is getting that loot. Uh, the season journey and the season pass. Let's cover some of this stuff because I like this. Um, the uh, season journey. Uh, alongside our major season releases, we see the return of the season journey. Players are pushed to explore Sanctuary anew, earning limited time rewards with each chapter of the season journey that is completed. Completing the season journey is quite a feat, with the final step demanding the character overcome an extremely difficult encounter with an especially deadly foe. With future season journeys, we are regularly adding pinnacle level difficulty challenges for players to complete, proving their worth and earning unique cosmetics rewards, uh, cosmetic rewards besides. Like Diablo 3, the season journey is free to all players. Completing season journey objectives also grants progress towards the season pass, a new feature with a battle pass system progression that advances alongside the journey season journey enabling players to earn more rewards just by playing, something I'm really a big fan of. The Season Pass has both free rewards, cosmetics, premium currency, and gameplay boosts, and paid rewards, cosmetics, and premium currency only. Uh, the Season Pass is something that they say is uh, they're in their goal design to try and uh, fund future content. Um, it will have a full-priced game with a cosmetic shop and season pass, uh, none of which will uh, are, are going to provide any pay for play or pay for power uh, options. So if you're concerned about the issues with Diablo Immortal being present in Diablo 4, uh, that is not going to happen according to what they're saying here. Their goal is designing their, their in-game purchases to uh, is that they want to create beautiful things which add value to players' experiences of the game. The scale of Diablo 4 Seasons is much more ambitious than what we've done in the past on, on Diablo 3. Obviously, it's a lot more with what people are used to. With a large development team dedicated to Seasons after launch, Diablo 4 will be supported by an army of developers for years to come. With all of the exciting plans we have for Seasons, we want them to be enjoyed by everyone, regardless of whether they buy anything from the shop. I'm grateful for the opportunity to finally share more with the community on our live service model. Seasons will add all new gameplay 
quests, challenges, meta changes, and quality of life improvements. The Season Pass recognizes players' dedication with greater rewards unlocking as the play more or as you play more throughout the season. There will be a single track of rewards with free tiers that are unlocked just by playing the game and leveling. The premium tiers, which provide no in-game power or advantage over other players, the free or the uh, the free tiers will provide uh, gameplay boosts to all players things which make the journey to uh, of leveling up a fresh seasonal character faster and more streamlined in contrast the premium tier rewards are more focused on aesthetics providing a huge value in the form of cosmetics and premium currency many of the rewards embody the seasonal theme helping players show off their participation in that season i am not a fan of in-game boosts uh when it comes to gameplay if you are giving me a boost for your gameplay, then your game is um, taking too long for me to enjoy it. Uh, it's one of the problems with World of Warcraft. They are having a uh, Wrath of the Lich King boost that's going on right now. So all experience is boosted by 50% for any character that's playing on uh, Burning Crusade right now in, in lieu of uh, Wrath of the Lich King coming. And I, I hate that because it feels like you didn't balance the game properly from the get-go. So if they're already building in boosts in the season pass, it means to me that uh, if, if I guess in this situation, what they're telling me is, is that they know that the leveling system can be tedious and they're trying to build in systems to make that less tedious, uh, which speaks to me is, is that you're, you're artificially inflating what it takes to get to the end game. Uh, let's talk about the season pass a little bit more. They talked about the cosmetics um, like the shop. These don't affect gameplay. Uh, additionally, certain cosmetics types are exclusive to the season pass. Uh, the season pass awards premium currency, which can be used uh, to purchase cosmetics in their shop. Um, talking about the shop, let's jump into that. Uh, the way we approached designing the shop and the cosmetics within it was by thinking about the experience we want players to have. We want buying things to feel good before, during, and after the purchase. So if players choose to buy something, it should be because they want to, not because they feel like they have to. It should also be clear that players... Uh, to two players exactly what they are getting before they choose to buy with no unpleasant surprises the shop's cosmetics built on top of the foundation of a huge variety of transmogs from weapons and armors players will find in game it's also important for us to, uh, for us that the shop is grounded within Diablo's world. So our cosmetics are holistic uh, fantasies, the individual components of which can be mixed and matched with transmogs from armor acquired in-game from endless customization options. Basically what they're saying is they're not going to bring Dragon Ball Z into Diablo 4 through the shop. That's not going to happen. It's going to be stuff that you would expect to find in the game and only in that style. Uh, the shop sells premium currency uh, that will then be used for cosmetics. Cosmetics give players even more options to customize the visual appearance of their characters. Nothing offered in the shop grants a direct or indirect gameplay advantage. That is a very interesting statement because sometimes indirect gameplay advantages are not always apparent. Sometimes you sell something and it turns out that players find a way to use that as an advantage that was never intended uh, when you created it. And that is the indirect gameplay advantage. You can't plan for that all the time. So they will probably have to make changes to stuff in the future if it ever comes down to that. Uh, so while many of these may look like powerful pieces of gear, they have no in-game stats. So you're basically buying skins. The shop is optional. 
Playing uh, players can experience all core and seasonal gameplay features without spending money. Our goal is for, <laughs> uh, some of that's correct. Our goal is for players to enjoy going to the shop, buy something when it catches their fancy, and walk away happy with what they bought. The shop is transparent. It's important that players know exactly what to expect before making a purchase. We've built preview functionality that enables players to choose, examine every detail of the cosmetic on their own character before deciding to make a purchase. The best looking cosmetics aren't exclusive to the shop. Diablo 4 will ship with hundreds of transmogs unlockable from drops in game, including dozens of armor sets of the highest visual quality. There are incredible pieces, unique and legendary quality items for players to find without ever going to the shop. The shop offers more diversity of choices, not systematically better choices. Uh, armor and transmogs in shops are usable on all characters of that class. Many of the cosmetics in the shop are character-specific fantasies, which wouldn't necessarily make sense visually on other characters. Once you unlock a cosmetic from the shop for a given class, you can use it on every character of that class on your account. There are special cosmetics exclusive to the Season Pass, which celebrate the theme of the season and look similar across all of the classes. The most important guiding principle behind the shop and the Season Pass is to create something players love, look forward to, and appreciate being part of the game. Cosmetics in Diablo 4 create new ways for players to express themselves and new uh, never provide advantages in game. They are hammering home the fact that this is not going to give you any power progression. So I'm glad that they're doing this. It's, it needed to be said. It needed to be stated plainly so that players can get off the whole idea that this is going to be another Diablo Immortal fiasco where you're going to have to pay to win in Diablo 4. That's not the case. That is not what they're saying here. They're saying everything about how they are going to have microtransactions. They are going to have a season pass, much like many other games that have content post-launch. That's to be expected. It's a, a proven model for business at this point. People like buying into season passes. People don't mind paying into season passes if they think they're going to be spending the time in there. And if the season pass is cheap enough, it's not even that big of a deal because most of the time you can get cosmetics pretty early on in the season pass that still has value to what you would pay for the actual season pass. I've gotten skins from uh, my Fortnite season pass that were in the first few tiers that I thought were worth the eight bucks uh, that I spent based on how much of those cosmetics I've gotten at this point. If I don't get any more uh, uh, levels out of my season pass, I will be happy because I was able to at least get a few different skins and some cool little cosmetics from the season pass already with just how I've how I've been playing the game and I have not been playing that much. So I'm hoping Diablo 4 is like that. I hope that they do a good job balancing the season pass and the experience gain that you need to be able to get some of the cool stuff in there. I'm also really kind of curious how some of that stuff is going to look. They showed some examples of what the season pass uh, or what the, the shop content is going to look like with some of the themed cosmetics and they look really good. Uh, just kind of curious if they can nail down exactly what the cost of that should be because it really can't be too much or they're really going to lose out on the uh, the the people that want to buy that stuff but just don't can't can't justify that cost. 
Let's get into the uh, last couple stories here as we're rounding things out. Um, let's talk about the Embracer Group and what the Embracer Group is doing. So Embracer Group is em embarked, and I'm going from the Verge article uh, today, uh, on an acquisition spree today to include limited run games, which if you don't know, they take indie games and uh, offer uh, limited prints of physical copies to try and uh, make sure that those are, are locked in time so that people have a digital or a physical form of the digital game. Uh, Tripwire Interactive and the IP rights to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. There are five acquisitions in total today alongside a sixth undisclosed deal for a company in the PC and gaming space uh, or console gaming space. The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit rights means Embracer now controls uh, has control over movies, video games, board games, merchandising, stage productions and even theme park rights for Tolkien fantasy fa uh, franchises. This includes Amazon's very big and expensive take on Lord of the Rings that will debut on Prime Video on September 2nd, which looks really good, actually. Uh, Embracer notes that it could even explore additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, Aragorn, Gollum, Galadriel, uh, Eowyn, and other characters from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Embracer is a huge publishing group that recently acquired big names like Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, and Thief, and already operates more than 100 studios, including Borderlands, Developer Gearbox, Saber Interactive, which Saber does a lot of ports to different consoles, um, as well as remakes, and THQ Nordic, which is just a lot of studios that are doing a, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, recently, Saudi Arabia bought one million or one billion stake in Embracer, around eight percent of the company's shares. Uh, let's see. The article goes on to say that Embracer's addition of limited run games opens the door to more physical games across its studios and games, as limited run is well known for the collector's editions in is often enabling small developers to be able to create physical copies of their games. Uh, Tripwire is known for Killing Floor, Man Eater, and Rising Storm. Rising Storm, not so good. Killing Floor, pretty good. Man Eater, pretty good as well, too. Both all uh, games, I would say, are more like double-A games uh, from uh, the Tripwire, which I, I do think they do a really good job uh, with the games that they do make. Um, they just aren't quite up to the, the higher peaks of what most people expect from like uh, game studios nowadays, which is uh, kind of on people. Um, the huge publishing group also announced today that the acquisition of home karaoke system Sing Tricks and teardown developer Tuxedo Labs. Uh, Embracer Group is quietly building its giant publishing group, and it also owns comics and entertainment brands Dark Horse. Um, Embracer Group, honestly, is one of those groups out there that I don't know where they're getting their, their money from. Like, I don't know how they're able to, to buy so much because uh, the acquisitions that they're making honestly are are really big in the video game industry like they are buying a lot of studios and they're buying brands like dark horse which do a lot of publishing and stuff so if you don't know you can buy most strategy guides nowadays uh and those strategy guides come from companies like dark horse or uh the the um art books come from uh, dark horse dark horse does most art books for a lot of different uh studios and their their games so um it'll be very interesting to see like what they decide to do with all of these like and picking up the ips and franchises rights to lord of the rings honestly is probably one of the craziest things i've ever seen like it's it's kind of like when sony bought the rights to be able to uh make sony or, or spider-man video games uh and make spider-man movies like spider-man is is on on sony's like uh rights 
for for a long time which is why we've had so many issues with marvel wanting to use spider-man in marvel movies is because sony still owns the rights to those uh to that character and be able being able to make that content for them so we'll have to see um, where this goes. This is still not quite as expensive as some of the other acquisitions, like the uh, $3.6 billion uh, that was spent for Bungie by Sony, or uh, the $12.7 billion for Take-Two Interactive, as well as uh, uh, Zynga. Um, and there's also, obviously, the giant Activision Blizzard acquisition, which was for $68.7 billion. So Embracer is out there making moves in the industry that are interesting and uh, potentially scary. Um, same thing with like Tencent. Uh, they are, are, are buying up studios. And, and for the most part, I will say, Embracer is doing what's right by gamers. They are allowing these studios to produce what they want. They're buying them and keeping them as as this Embracer group, uh, but not really impacting the studios in a way that is is saying like, hey, we want you to start changing everything that you do uh, and do what we want because we want we have this overarching goal. It's like they're just trying to uh, earn money off of um, the owning of these different publishing groups and studios. So we'll have to see how things go. But I'm I'm a little worried, but I'm not. I'm not like 10 cent worried right now. <laughs> Uh, I think the last little story that I wanted to jump into, there is um, uh, some games that have come out recently that I wanted to touch on. Uh, Soul Hackers 2 is out uh, next week, I believe, that's coming out. Uh, or no, did it come out already? No, yeah, it's coming out next week on the 26th. Uh, reviews are coming in right now. It's coming in at 76. So if you are a fan of uh, JRPGs, um, you can look for that uh, on, on Xbox as well. Uh, Themysia. I think is how it's sold. Uh, this is something that's available for pretty much every platform, PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. Uh, this is getting 70. It's a, a fair rating for Open Critic. Um, this is probably the best Souls-like game that is not made from From Software. Uh, it has a very beautiful art style. It's uh, an art style that really kind of replicates like some very gothic noir style, um, kind of in, in uh, I don't know, maybe a Victorian style, like it really is kind of like plague doctor um running around kind of killing things but i've been told that it's one of the better souls like games that is not made by FromSoft. so very interesting to kind of see how that goes um elden ring recently uh it came out earlier this year is is still one of the highest rated games um this year probably going to win game of the year honestly uh from from software we did get news that that actually has sold 16 million copies of the game which is amazing that it has made that much of a, 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 a stretch i still have not purchased it i'm still on the fence i like the idea that it is something that you can kind of grind up your character to take on the harder bosses if you can't take them uh at, at lower levels um but i just don't know that i'd have time to really dive into that i'm still playing a lot of other games that are are on my backlog right now and, and, and enjoying them and still really having a good time with those also, we got uh, Cult of Lamb, uh, which came out last week. Uh, that has been uh, really, really good for the community. A lot of folks really enjoying that game. Uh, if you don't know, Cult of Lamb is a 2D top-down uh, kind of roguelike where you are going through little dungeons, and as you go through dungeons, uh, you earn, you level up your character, your little sheep, your little uh, cult sheep um, leader, and as you kind of make your way through the dungeons, you start to get to the point where you earn the ability to get followers 
And there's a really cool Twitch integration with this that is not quite working as well as it should. There have been some bad bugs with this game, um, but for an indie game to have a Twitch interaction where the followers that uh, come into your into your little village uh, can be Twitch members. So if they opt into the add-on, uh, when you go to uh, recruit a follower or a, a cultist, uh, they will be one of the Twitch chat members uh, if they win the raffle, which is really cool. I, I've, I've been enjoying watching uh, Fran Mirabella, formerly of IGN and, and kind of funny. Uh, I've been playing this and having a good time with it. Um, I'm in his cult. I think I need to go back and check and see whatever happened to myself because I, I have not gotten to watch his stream in the last couple of days. But uh, it's a really good game. And I think they did a really good job blending kind of the Animal Crossing villagers aspect of it, as well as the uh, Stardew Valley kind of keeping upkeep uh, like a Tamagotchi of, of your village and kind of making sure that you clean up after them. They've got food and places to, uh, to sleep as well as getting you uh, supplies, a little, little bit of farm management sim going on there, um, as well as the dungeon crawler aspect. So if you're familiar with a uh, boyfriend dungeon and diving into dungeons while having romantic interests and uh, story played out through that, Cult of the Lamb is like that, but instead Instead of the uh, kind of um, visual novel aspect of the dating sim that Boyfriend Dungeon has, uh, it is instead a, a kind of uh, Animal Crossing-like um, gameplay style. So really good to, to kind of see that. Uh, some other stuff that I thought would be interesting... I am surprised that Two Point Campus is rated as high as it is. It's rated an 84 on Open Critic. Uh, I am not some someone that's really interested in this type of, of sim game. A lot of people have been wanting to jump into it. It is available on Game Pass if you want. Uh, another game that came out is uh, Cursed to Golf, uh, which is a really interesting kind of 2D side scroller that is uh, based around the idea of hitting um, your, your golf ball around to open up different areas to eventually hit uh, the goal and you're cursed so all of your golf balls can have different powers and they unlock different things uh, you're going to be taking on different enemies as you go around and use your cursed golf balls to uh, traverse the the uh, environment in this 2d kind of platformer really kind of interesting blend of what i would say is golf mixed with um it's like a metroid style game where you're kind of going up and around in different areas and uh things unlock as you get different powered golf balls and stuff and you have a certain number of golf ball hits that you can do before you have to before you lose uh very very cool looking game very cute um, so that's available out as well. That's a rated as an 80 right now. Um, and then let's see what's coming out in the future. So stuff that's coming out next week, we've got uh, Soul Hackers 2, which is already getting reviews. Uh, Saints Row, the reboot of Saints Row is coming out on August 23rd. Very curious to kind of see how people like this open world action game where you're basically just trying to raise your ranks in uh the in in the the mob society or the uh area where there's gangs and you have to kind of take out the different gang leaders uh to get territory as you raise in in your boss level for for all intents and purposes uh pac-man world repack is coming out on august 26th as well uh that if you don't know is going to be made available on all of the different consoles uh, this was an old, old game um, that came out, gosh, what was that, uh, 90, 98? Was it 90? No, 99. Um, oh, I, I forgot. I have a little blurb about this. Okay, so Pac-Man World Repack coming out on August 26th. 
first released in 1999, Pac-Man World saw Pac-Man's exciting debut into a 3D platforming genre. Now the remaster that fans have requested is nearly here. In Pac-Man World Repack, Pac-Man arrives home on his birthday to find the ghosts have kidnapped his family and friends and ruined his party. Now he must set out to adventure through the six areas of Ghost Island to rescue them and face off against the ghost's boss, talk man uh so if you're interested in that um that's coming out august uh 26th uh the soul hackers game in the shadows of a war between the yata garasu uh i think is how you say that and the phantom society is brewing devils and demon devil summoners who harness the otherworldly powers of demons existing in the secret sea of humanity's data a digital hive mind uh, has evolved into sentience aeon uh, observing humankind from afar, Aeon calculates that the world-ending disaster is imminent and creates two agents to combat against it. Ringo and Fiji. Fuge. Fuge? I don't know. Uh, together, these agents of Aeon must investigate and prevent a butterfly effect that will lead to the end of the world. It's as as it's yeah it's jrpg it's over the top uh sd gundam battle alliance which looks fantastic and kind of a weird chibi version of gundam uh in sd gundam battle alliance mobile suits and characters from across mobile suit gundam history take center stage in this all-new action rpg the story takes place in g universe a world where gundam canon twists and turns in ways no one can predict to correct this world's distorted history you must lead a three-unit squadron consisting of mobile suits and pilots from across gundam history a true battle alliance it looks adorable i can't wait to see how that plays out um that's about it as far as the main games that are coming out next week it is uh going to be kind of a light week as gamescom is going to dominate the news we'll be covering what announcements come from that and hopefully uh some really fun stuff to talk about for next week's episode um that's it for this episode uh if you guys have any questions concerns feel free to reach out otherwise um, we are going to leave it here and i will get this episode out because it's already late and you're not listening to it well you're listening to it now but you weren't listening to it when i was hoping to get it out so i apologize for that but We'll get into that. Hopefully you guys have an awesome weekend and look forward to next week's episode of the Xbox Wrap-Up Podcast.